In this episode of Octal FM, we discuss games which initially seemed promising in the run-up to their release, but turned out to not quite hit the mark when we got round to playing them. Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Gelada. And I'm Sefran. And we decided to have a chat about our most disappointing video games. And I realised afterwards, actually I was talking to Tony about this in the car, and I was like, oh, we're going to talk about most disappointing video games. Help me remember the ones that I want to talk about. Um, and she was like, that's quite, <laughs> that's quite a negative topic. Yeah, <laughs> it is, yeah. But we're going to keep it lighthearted. <laughs> we're not going to be miserable. Like, the, the the premise there for me was originally as like games that I was quite anticipating and ones that I, for the most part, bought on launch and then was like, oh, really? Mm. Like something that kind of let me down a bit. Yeah. Like games that I was really excited for and just didn't live up to what I hoped for. Agreed. And I'm trying to be a little bit uh, objective in that I don't want to allow the hype of the time to to drive me to those decisions more about my own personal sort of excitement for a game and then my own personal experiences with it so even if like i enjoy a game that didn't get good reviews or i didn't enjoy a game that did get reviews that's not really what i mean by disappointing right yeah and i mean naturally i i sort of i struggled with this i struggled to think of games that were disappointing because i do tend to be a stickler for waiting for reviews and so for me like I've got three that I've kind of thought of and they were all games that were relatively well reviewed, but then turned out to be more disappointments for me. So a few of the games that I want to talk about are well known, but one of them, the first one is a bit of a, I think it's probably flow under a lot of people's radar, which is a game called Time Shift. You heard of Time Shift yeah, before? Yeah, I have heard of Time you Shift. Have, I'm surprised. And it was being hyped up for quite a long time like onto its release as being sort of like this really innovative uh, first person shooter like it was doing some really interesting things it had like great mechanics ideas to it uh it looked really nice like it was kind of this cool sort of this sci-fi aesthetic it was great and i i bought into the the hype and this is also sort of the time when i was sort of very big into my first person shooters i'd had my own pc for about a, a year at this point roughly because it came out in 2007 so I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick this up and and I did. I got it on release. I remember getting it home and this is when I was still buying in fact I can sit here where I'm recording, I can see the physical box <laughs> that I bought, you know, because it's still on the shelf. Um and I was really excited about it. I installed it and everything, and it's so lackluster. <laughs> like it's such a disappointingly boring game. Because the the whole kind of the gameplay of it allows you to as the time as this title suggest is allows you to control time and you think well that's pretty cool like, that allows for some really interesting things like, if you think of games maybe like prince of persia sands of time or braid and things like that where time mechanics are used sort of like quite interestingly like rewind mechanics and time slowing mechanics and stuff like that but it's just a really mundane standard first person shooter with a really like corny b-movie style sci-fi plot with just the time mechanics there to allow you to shoot dudes easier. 
<laughs> if, that, if that makes any sense. Right. Do you know what? It's it's kind of similar from what I've heard, at least, because I've not played it. So this is definitely not uh, an informed opinion to that recent game. Is it Control, I think it was yes. called? The yeah, kind, yeah, kind yeah. of recent release with similar idea of like you're given all these kind of like weird, cool powers to kind of manipulate things. But at the end of the day, it's just as efficient to just shoot the dude with the gun, mm. um, you know, which is what this game fell into me for, unfortunately. Like, there was some really janky platforming puzzles that you had to sort of like sort out using these time mechanics. Right. But even then, like they were either super obvious and easy or they were kind of just really awkward to try and make work, like to, to actually do on the controls. Mm. And it doesn't look that good either. Like you think 2007, games that came out in 2007, things like Portal, Bioshock, mm. you know, Call of Duty 4, they're all great looking games and it's just kind of whatever mm. it's definitely a ps2 era style game yeah. despite the fact that it was on the ps3 you know uh and I, I just i got let down from it because of the fact that it was something that i was quite excited about it had a really cool concept and it was sort of in my wheelhouse at the time of first person shooter but it's just so mediocre mm. a lot of the, uh, first person shooters suffer from that with their mechanics right where you you can shoot things or you can do this other weird thing and shooting things always just works out better <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the problem. It's just if more efficient to just shoot the dude rather than slow down time and get behind the dude or yeah. something. I don't know, whatever. And it could have been one or the other. And, and I feel like it could have been better if maybe I wasn't trying to do one thing or another. Maybe have the time mechanic just be part of the game story mode as opposed to like the combat. I don't know. I can't think of a solution to it, but it really doesn't matter for a 12-year-old game that probably didn't sell very well. In fairness, in its defense, it actually got like mixed to positive reviews. Like a lot of the reviews are kind of all over the place. Some of them are like, you know, mid-range, like 5, 6 out of 10, but some of them are as high as like 8 or 9 out of 10 in some instances. Maybe it was a bit of a slow, slow month. (laughs) I think it probably was. Like, uh, it it was fine. Uh, It was one of the games, I think it was one of the last games that was published by uh, Sierra Vendee back in the day, you know, like who made some quite classic and epic games. Mm. But, yeah, but also just some shockers. <laughs> and I remember, I think I beat it in like two days as well, so it's not particularly long right. either. Yeah. Um, and there wasn't really, I think there was a multiplayer aspect. I don't actually remember. I think there was a multiplayer aspect, but I don't remember playing it. And I remember the single player just being over quite soon. I played it once, never picked it up again sort of thing. So it was such mm. a disposable piece of mm. media for me, despite the fact that it was something I was quite excited for. Yeah. I actually have a similarly aged game. Which is quite a... I, I thought, anyway, that it was a pretty obvious, most disappointing game choice. And that is Spore, right? Which is 2008. Oh, I was going to mention Spore in my, in my uh, honourable mentions. <laughs> well, it gets a full oh, mention. We're talking a full, full entrance. Full, yeah, full I, entrance I couldn't from agree Spore. more with this one. <laughs> oh, I, think, I think on the back of the box, one of the new taglines for it is Disappointing Game of the Year. <laughs> I think it won that award. Like, Spore, if you don't know, it's a 2008... It was like a life sim and also a real-time strategy game and also an RPG and also a god game. And it was basically bad at all of them um, or like shallow at all of them. And everyone agrees that the best bit is the first bit when you're swimming around as like a micro. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it was, Spore was definitely something that was very epically hyped. And I, I almost, you know, I think that it was, it's the no man's sky of the, yeah, of the noughties. Like, like a hundred percent, like so much. I see so much No Man's Sky, both the hype, the disappointment, and everything. Even the procedural generation. Yeah, right, because Spore was one of the first kind of early examples of, of 
procedural generation being a core mechanic in a 3D game. And yeah, it was like you designed a little creature and then there were other creatures around you as well. And basically you guided that creature from like a single cell to a little land running around thing, to a thing that could build little huts, and then to a thing that had a city, and then eventually they went into space. And then the end game was quite a lightweight space RTS, where you basically were just playing God and you could just do anything. Like, you could, like, attack people, you could, like, move little monsters from one planet to another and stuff like that. It just kind of... I don't know, you were just, I always felt like you were just immediately done once you got to the end. There really wasn't a lot to do. Um, yeah, it became less about trying to achieve an objective, more a case of just faffing about. Yeah, you could just faff about, right? And it actually was reviewed quite well. Like, the, mm. like it received good reviews. Um, I, but it, and it sold well, in fairness. Yeah, I think it sold pretty decently. And I think Spore was just an example of a lot of games that try and do something different, which is that the concept is good and the execution is bad. You know, like a lot of the concepts in Spore are great, but the execution as a game, it's not a thing. And that's like early days No Man's Sky as well, right? It's exactly yeah, it the same. it definitely is. And although what it did do is it did proceed to then release a million expansion packs to try and solve that problem and sold them to you at a decent price. Yeah, it's like they applied... I mean, this is Maxis, right? So they basically applied the Sims approach to Spore. Yeah, And that just further, in my mind anyway, just further kind of muddies what it is as a thing. I don't know. There was another issue as well at the time. It was very, very early days, like pre, like forced online gameplay. And Mm. Spore was one of the first games that had, it had a Sekirom DRM. And but you also you had to be online for it to work, and that was like such. Obviously, now it's like well, of course I'm online when I'm playing. But at the time, that was like a big, that was a really really big deal. I mean, 2008, like loads of people still on dial-up. You know, like oh yeah, definitely loads of people actively chose to connect to the internet and then disconnect from the internet. And continue to use their yeah. computer. So it was that was very um, controversial. That kind of solid it a little bit as well. Yeah, it was it was basically a bunch of editors put together into a game. And yeah, I was definitely I remember playing it. I remember enjoying it for a very very short period of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like it was like a tech demo <laughs> for sure. It was it, it, the parallels between this and No Man's Sky, which I was going to make in the uh, honorable mentions. Like I say, is really stark like yes. it's amazing how similar the two are in a lot of ways yeah in the it's got a really sort of like vocal lead sort of person on it yeah absolutely will right, right and uh what was the what's the no man's sky game um uh, sean murray. Name. that's it sean murray you know quite quite charismatic you know quite a quite a forward-thinking Definitely, person you know yeah. very happy to, to sing the praises of its game and it's not bad by any means but it wasn't anything what was hyped to be delivered and i just think that they were setting themselves up to fail in that sense because it was just impossible to make the game that they were trying to make and it be good as well like in so many a's it was just a proof of concept like we can make a procedurally generated game and the decisions you make at the microbial level will affect what it happens when you grow into like a mammal and what you grow into like a sentient species and stuff like that yeah and it just they made a great tech demo but there wasn't much of a game there. Yeah. Like the game itself kind of stopped being even a game past. Well, it's like, it's weird as well because the gameplay styles changed between each era yeah, as well, didn't yeah, they? they like, do. It went from being sort of like that sort of little point and click game with the micro, which is the bit that everyone remembers, to being sort of like a weird hunter gatherer style yeah. 
survival like things. <laughs> but then it became like a weird, really part of the language crap rts yeah it was you know it's like a really stripped down populous for a little yeah, bit yeah <laughs> and that's a great game i love populous and populous the beginning and all that. that that was great but it was just so average in so many ways and and the concept is so cool and the idea that you can meet other people's aliens that they've created and that's, that's the online aspect of it as well yeah, yeah. I think we certainly felt it because this was sort of the time period that we were talking about games a lot. I, I imagine we even talked about Spore in the old podcast. Oh, yeah, together, definitely, definitely. You know, uh, on the hype and the lead up to that as well. But it was very much the definition of a disappointing game that could have been so cool. Yeah, definitely. And then, interesting, you chose to talk about Spore because I have chosen to talk about another game by Will Wright. Um, <laughs> he has let me down a second it, time <laughs> in this episode. God damn it, right? This one, I don't know if he had direct uh, kind of involvement with, but it's certainly within his line of games, at least anyway. And I was going to talk about SimCity Societies. Ooh, I don't know if you've played Societies. I've not played Societies, but oh, great now, choice. Let me, let me tell you about SimCity <laughs> Societies. So... <laughs> This is again a 2007 game because this is just this is when I was like really heavily into my own gaming. Like I wasn't relying on like news articles in magazines anymore to teach me about video game news. Like I was very much on the internet at this point. I was learning all my information online. Not to not um, to like not to uh, ruin your flow, but I just double checked. Societies wasn't made by Maxis. Oh, and was it, not? it wasn't made by Maxis because they were too busy working on sport. Well, there you go. That was not intentional connection there, but which one's one worse? Good game, we got two disappointing, two really average, disappointing games. Yeah, quite. It's a SimCity game in nothing but name, in my opinion. Mm. Like, there is no aspect of it that is a SimCity game. Like, SimCity 2000 was one of the first PC games I ever played, in fact. Um, I remember playing. And then I remember being old enough to actually understand and properly play SimCity 3000. Like, I was a bit too young to play 2000 and really kind of get what was going on. I just kind of, like, putting all the cheats in a building, like, an enormous city and blowing it up with, like, a meteor or something. (laughs) Um, You know, that kind of thing when you're a kid. But I was really excited for Society because, again, similar with Time Shift, is that I had my own PC at this point. I was able to buy my own games and I, I knew about it in advance. So I was right. like, oh, it looks really good. And I liked the idea of having sort of like different societal values and hmm. the idea of like, you know, being able to make interesting different choices and like what happens if I try and combine these sorts of cultures and, uh, and sort of like p- almost political viewpoints, you know. And it looked really interesting, and I like the idea of it, and I like sim games as a whole, but it's so surface level. If you release this game today, it would be the equivalent of one of those, like, super surface level mobile phone games that you would pay, like, £10 to do anything on even once, and then you carry on having to pay £10 to keep playing sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's so surface level. No decision you actively make has any difference at all. It just feels like it's so... It's just a skin. So, like, you can choose to, like, go down things like a capitalist route or, a, you know, a Marxist communist route, or you can go down, like, an oppressive dystopian route. Or, But everything is so, like, turned up to 11. It's, like, the most extreme version of what you can think of. So you're either, like, a tree-hugging hippie haven or you're, like, bloody the city out of Blade Runner. Like right. it, it's it's one or the other. There's no nuance at all. Yeah, but yeah. it doesn't change the gameplay at all. It's exactly the same gameplay. The buildings all do the same thing, just with different names attached to them. Right. So everything is so skin deep, and it's so boring, and it's really easy, and there's no challenge. Oh, it's just 
if like Time Shift was sort of like a game that it was fine, but it just didn't really do what I was hoping it to do. SimCity Societies does what I wanted it to do, just really badly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's so bland. It's just like porridge with nothing on it. Like right. I can't think of a. It's just so boring yeah and, and this i guess that kind of shows as well like that's a really interesting uh comparison that you said about with with the fact that they were making spore maxis were making spore and they they then made it so that the sim city size was made by a different development team you can tell that there's none of that charm none of that uh love and kind of character that max is often brought to their games including I'm spore not... right which had a you know it, it was quite characterful yeah it was it had a nice art style to it, it had quite a lot of little easter eggs it just had good feeling to it like even if it was an average and disappointing game yeah. it was still a characterful game and right. it still had charm in it but this just feels so bland and i guess that maybe the developers just didn't know what they were doing they were new developers i don't know but it just felt like they'd taken a look at sim city games in the past mm. and gone how can we make it so that a five-year-old can play this mm. but then they added on like the societal stuff which doesn't make any sense like the gameplay aspect it feels like you know my first sim city game but then the society thing that's like something that only really like full-grown adults are going to get like mm. kids and even young adults aren't really going to understand the dip like what that's all about mm. i don't know maybe i'm being too critical on younger audiences but it certainly wasn't marketed to the younger young audience game that's for damn sure mm. uh, i don't know he was just i was quite excited for it because i like sim games and i like sim city games and it's just so bland yeah i mean it's interesting isn't it because like city building games not to like deviate too much onto like just random meandering topics but like city building games had a real like bad patch Right, because then then there was also like the reboot of SimCity, which was also had lots of problems in that it was well, like wasn't it SimCity for the one that had the massive controversy about the online again, where people couldn't actually play it at all. Like even though they had perfect internet connection, they just couldn't actually connect. And perfectly valid and legal versions of the game were being told that they were like invalid and like it stolen. It wasn't four. Four was the old one that was like the pinnacle. That was two thousand and three. Uh, and then SimCity, the sort of 2013 reboot in 2012, right, that, w- that was the like EA, you know, requires an internet connection even for single player. And then they li- lied in inverted commas. Like they were like, oh, it has to be online because it's so complicated that all of the calculations are happening. And then people prove that you could actually just like run the game without an internet connection yeah, and it would be fine like it was yeah and they were just it was just like a bit of a lie in a way and it was also like the city sizes were small so like societies and 2013 were quite lackluster and then it mm. took like city skylines to come along yes to come back and, finish and it like rebooted the, yeah. it <laughs> and it was yeah. like that was the one because actually there's a this is a story for another time but if you're interested dear listener you can go and look up city skylines was they shelved it because of, I think, because of SimCity twenty, like the twenty thirteen one. Ah, yes, they I do shelved it, this. and then it did so badly. They were like, "We need to get that back off the shelf," and they like rushed to finish it and released it off the back of how bad SimCity and was doing. Was like, look, you could make a Sim game, and like, and like yeah. look at it now. Like City Skylines is still going, and there's expansions, and like people are still buying it, and it's still a very very popular game with a huge modding community and all of that yes. kind of thing. Yeah, that was going to say about and the they literally 
they like a bad they were like well we're not going to do this because uh, sim city's coming out let's give it up and then they were like wait hang on maybe not <laughs> let's actually ride the failure of them for our own success yeah, exactly anyway it's from uh, sim city societies I completely forgot about that game. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the problem, isn't it? That's how forgettable it is. <laughs> to, like, a game that I get frustrated that I'm disappointed about. And that is, like, specifically Pokemon Sun and Moon. Ooh, okay, um, hot take. But actually, to be honest, every recent Pokemon game... I was going to say every modern ...has Pokemon just game, increased right? in disappointment every... Like, every time one is released, I have a fresh little bout of disappointment... And I don't mean this in a criticism. This is a very personal opinion. I think all the Pokemon games are good, right? And in isolation, they are good. But when you take them together, especially as someone that has played from red and blue all the way through, they are now terrible because they're all the same game. Yeah. Like, and, and that was fine up until like Diamond and Platinum and then it was still kind of fine when you had like remakes, like Heart Gold and Soul Silver, and it's like cool because it's a remake. But once you got to like X and Y, and X and Y was 3D, um, so that was kind of cool. And it's like, but every time it was only just a little bit of cool, and then a lot of disappointment about the fact mm. that the rest of the game is exactly the same. Uh, and it's the same progression, it's basically the same story. And this is probably a nostalgia, like, rose-tinted glasses but it feels like pokemon games are now just a complete walk in the park for the single player for sure and like i feel like they were a bit harder in red and blue days not much but like a tiny bit harder but now they are so it's like a it's like a pokemon simulator like a walking simulator but pokemon more than it is an actual challenging game and sun and moon i can't remember which one i owned which just kind of shows um Like I didn't finish it, and that was the first Pokemon game that I bought that didn't that I didn't finish. Uh, wow. X and Y again, can't remember which one I had. Was a slog to finish, but I think I did get it finished. But I did not get very far with Sun and Moon, and I didn't get Ultra Sun or Ultra Moon. What's really interesting, I think, about the modern Pokemon games, and I think this is one of the reasons why maybe they have left the older fan to the wayside, like yourself is they're trying to cater for a lot of different people. So they want to make mm. sure it's like easy to get into. So if you're a newbie, especially a younger like audience kind of starting out with your first Pokemon game, you know, because like it still appeals to a lot of younger people of as well, like, you know, younger kids. And they need to make it accessible, which I get. And modern games are definitely more accessible. And that's not yeah. a bad thing no. than older games are. Like if you take the old original, you know, red and blue, and then you put them next to, say, fire red and leaf green, you know, the changes they made, what changes they did make, were definitely for the better for accessibility. And then, you know, you compare those to, again, like you say, sun and moon or X and Y, whatever. And again, the changes they make are positive changes to some extent for that. But they're also trying to cater towards the really hardcore market, Mm. the competitive market. And the problem with that is that the competitive market doesn't really care about 90% of the actual game that they're trying to create. They just want the end game content so they can like make their perfect IV'd Pokemon with all the right breeding stats and all the right everything else right and get it to like the maximum level that they need it at straight away. And to do that, and have that within the game and also keep your game balance is really difficult. Yeah, I agree. Because, the, you know, they don't want to spend like 30 hours grinding to level up that one Pokemon that ends up having just the wrong kind of EV stat growth as a result. And so, 
as a result, it feels like the audience that's been left in the dust is the middle ground people like you who just want to enjoy a kind of a nice fun but somewhat challenging pokemon game yeah but it's also you're right it is absolutely that and i think that it is a challenge like i must be i wouldn't want to make a pokemon game like it's probably quite hard but it's the like lack of it's like they are so much the same yes. in between them like there is there's quality of life improvements that like things like xp share is just a default now in 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 pokemon games like it's like that all you don't have to swap pokemon out to share xp and stuff like that like quality of life stuff that does make the game better and especially end game and pro gaming makes it kind of easier to use the game as a vessel for your tournament play but i just want you know what if i if i just had a difficulty slider that would, you know. <laughs> that would, I feel that like we've talked stop. about this before on the show, and if we haven't, maybe it's like something that we've discussed in person, but I don't want to sound why there isn't like a Pokemon trainer and a Pokemon master mode or something like it's that. It's just like, and that's what that's what makes me disappointed. And it's like every time a new Pokemon game comes out and there's always a little bit of like that, that expectation of like, maybe this time they're going to like tweak things just enough. It's going to balance between the same, but also new and it feels like every time they just don't get it right like they don't yeah. get the right balance and or recently anyway and i and it's just like i say this is quite a personal thing it's not yeah, I, I, sure. in isolation the games are good and most most of the games get good reviews and they get well praised but when you've played from red and you've played pretty much every single game i now skip pokemon games because i'm like i no like i'm not going to yeah. play essentially red and blue again which is what yeah. it's it still i know it isn't but it still feels like it like there's yeah. eight gyms and there's a it's still four. not like, enough difference people you want to keep the spirit of the original series in place but you also need to innovate a bit more yeah there's no and, it feels like there's very little innovation in in pokemon games and it, unfortunately, as much as it pains me to say, it looks like Sword and Shield is going to be the very same. I know, sort of and, thing. This, and that's the thing; it happens every time. Like every yeah. time you hear about a new Pokemon game, and I get the nostalgia excitement of like, "Oh my god, a new Pokemon game!" And I'm like, "Is it though?" Like, yeah. <laughs> Are you excited to play on the Switch? Absolutely. Yeah. Am I excited to have it in like full HD? Yeah. Absolutely. Am I excited for some of the new features? Yeah, for sure. Am I excited for the region because it's based on where I live? Yeah, absolutely. Is it just another Pokemon game that you can beat in probably like 20, 30 hours after not much effort? Yeah, absolutely. Part of the reason why I didn't finish Sun Sun or Moon uh, was because I would actually start to doze off playing it because it's yep. so gentle yep. as a game that I, I can't actually play it. Like it's better, it's better than reading a book for getting me to sleep. Yeah. Because it's so boringly repetitive without any level of really thought required or challenge. Yeah. They just need to maybe even separate the series. Like have even just two sets of games you have a set of games like the let's go games right which are more about right. exploring a world with a fun pokemon and the battles aren't really that important they're just sort of part of the series and then have something like a more of a hardcore jrpg style right. battle experience just where, give me a bit of challenge make me grind know, make, me, yeah. make me kill some monsters to like level up but not even just about the grinding but make it so that, that your attacks you choose are more important like yeah, yeah. have it so there's more defensive moves that actually right. make a difference instead you know? of just like pick the move with the most power with 100 percent accuracy unless you're playing effective. against other people doing the same thing there is no point in playing any other pokemon except the one that does the most damage per attack right exactly it's like the single player strategy has been the same forever Press for the entire series you win yeah it's like choose like 
have a bunch of Pokemon that have the widest spread of like you know types and you know, types, yeah, like yeah. type type uh, super effectiveness. Swap out the Pokemon that's super effective against the thing that you battle. Use your massively overpowered move. Kill it in one hit. Move on to the next one. Like you yeah. literally don't need any other attacks. Yeah. Like you don't need. There's nothing to stop you from doing that. Yeah, and it's like and JRPGs manage this. Like there are plenty of JRPGs. Like look at Final Fantasy games where it's like mm. you need to use the defensive things in advance in a boss battle you need to have a decent strategy and you can like choose different strategies and like equip this person with this thing so that it reflects that particular type of attack and stuff like that and it's like none of that happens in pokemon no but i think we're getting a bit off topic yeah Uh, we could probably do a whole topic (laughs) discussing what we want to see from pokemon (laughs) it did but that shows how annoyingly disappointed you are with each iteration of modern pokemon games and almost certainly was what's going to happen with sword and shield unfortunately as well don't say it so i think i think it fits for especially for someone that's been with the series for so long because you know we both played red and blue when we were young but stuck with the series for a long time whereas i've very much dropped off and i maybe play it here and there but it's certainly not something that i've Mm. actively followed but a game series i have actively followed throughout the whole history is the just cause series okay now i remember playing just cause on the xbox the xbox back in the day and it was great, right? And it was really fun. Bit janky. Great fun. Bit janky. Just Cause 2 comes out, played a demo of it, fell in love with it. I could play the game now and have just as much fun with it. It is absolutely incredible. So much fun. Really hits the nail on the head between sort of being a really good game, but also being a bit silly and a bit over the top. So I was really excited for Just Cause 3. Like when they announced mm. it and I was looking at the screenshots, I was like, oh my God, it looks so beautiful. I'm really looking forward to like yeah, having a great time completing everything and finding all the hidden extras and everything because I spent so much time in Just Cause 2 sort of completing it all, like, you know, checking off all the boxes and all that. It was great. Oh, 3. Oh, oh come on. What are you doing? Like, <laughs> I was so upset with it. Like, I think of all the games on this list, this is the one for me that I was most disappointed in because of how Mm. bad it was done. So this one isn't like a game that sort of flew under the radar a little bit, that maybe less alone. Like Time Shift and SimCity Societies were medium release games at best, right? Where Just Cause 3 was released as a big title. It was a AAA title with loads of money behind it, big developers behind it. And it just fell flat on its face, didn't it? Like... Mm. Its release was marred with so many problems because it was technically not finished. (laughs) Like, it had awful load times. It had horrendous frames per second issues. Like, it crashed randomly. The physics just didn't really work properly at all. And when you compare it to a not perfect, but very streamlined and really smooth experience of 2, it was just so jarring. Mm. And then... Even if you try and look past all that, which is hard and did get better over time with patches, I can't deny that. The gameplay, they thought, well, what do people like about our game? Well, they like the chaos of it. They like the the explosions and the silliness you can do things with. And to some extent, that's true. But they basically threw away all the other aspects of the game that made it fun, like the good tight controls of moving through the air and jumping Mm. and shooting and driving. And they basically went, let's just make everything really silly wacky. It's sort of how like Saints Row did it as well. Like Saints Row 2 was sort of semi-serious. Saints Row 3 went a bit ridiculous. And then they just decided to keep turning it up to 11 and then 95. Like it just kept on going silly. Mm. And the game is so high octane all the time that you get so burnt out on that high octane. It's not even fun after a short while. They really focused on, I didn't actually, I don't think I played Just Cause 3. I think I'm, I'm fortunate in that 
Just Cause 2 is my final experience of Just Cause, mm. which I think is probably for the best. Yeah, unfortunately. Because um, I think that I remember seeing them going that way and being like, that wasn't really what I liked Just Cause 2 about. Like, the mm. over, like, yeah, of course it was over the top. Like, the story was borderline offensive. But, like, <laughs> they really just doubled down on that for 3. And I was like, actually, it was... It was the sandbox element. Yeah, because it was such a big open world at the time, you know, and you could explore it all very nice and easily and the vehicles felt great to move around in yeah. the world in. Yeah. I, I feel like I feel like Just Cause was like like there's a certain type of way that you can play a GTA game, right? And mm. you can play a GTA game as a sandbox where you just drive around, mucking around and trying to like break the game a little bit and like blow stuff up and just do weird little things all over the place and you can literally just spend hours doing that right even the first gta the top down one like that's that's how i I remember playing that and i feel like just cause was like it distilled that right and that was what it was about is like it was it was the it was the gta sandbox and that was it kind of thing yeah um and it feels like they tried to like turn that into something that was had like a core which was the craziness of it and the sort of like over the top aspects of it and it's like no no no, it was meant to be just sort of like a, a fun sandbox and it just made it so that you got really burnt out on it and there was nothing gluing all those epic moments together anymore yeah it was just epic moments which makes nothing epic yeah, if that exactly makes sense, you know exactly um, it was so disappointing for me because i sing just cause two's praises to the high heavens and and i remember on the lead up to the game i was like oh, i'm really excited for it. it's gonna be really fun like i really enjoy this game and it was a well-received game don't be wrong but it certainly wasn't like you know the most well-known thing in the world mm. and then just Cause three had like this big marketing push behind it and it was like a big release and a lot of people played it as their first just cause game and i'm like oh it's just so upsetting that this is what it is what was four like i haven't played four i haven't played it okay it just looks like three again and maybe i'm wrong i don't want Mm. to make assumptions it's got mixed reviews on steam which always concerns me yeah Uh, i think it got even lower reviews than three as well from like from like the the media And, and again i don't like to judge all of my decision making process of buying a game based on like reviews about other people but it's a fairly good indication of whether or not it's going to hit the mark for you or not. Yeah. And when something like like as big as that is getting mixed reviews and it's given like, again, lots of technical problems mm. and the same sort of like double down wackiness in the in the gameplay. Yeah, it just I didn't even want to try it, honestly. Fair enough. Well, my last game is we've actually talked about this before and, okay. and I'm kind of rehashing over conversation topic that we've had and that's skyrim Um, okay i think again this is a very personal thing skyrim obviously scored fantastically well and we've done a like best ever elder scrolls and Mm, i said oblivion and you said skyrim and so you can see where i'm going here because i think that following on from that kind of topic skyrim for me was quite a disappointment And I think that it was quite an emotive disappointment because I really, really loved Oblivion and Oblivion had such a big impact on me and sort of like it lived up to its hype uh, for me. And it was, you know, I really loved the open world aspects and just everything about it was was great. And Skyrim just did that again for me. Yeah. But without 
the new factor and obviously there's like lots of there are lots of changes in skyrim compared to oblivion there's a lot of stuff that's better and that kind of thing but i just really loved oblivion and skyrim couldn't ride on the same wow of oblivion for me Uh, i also played it on xbox which was or 360 or whatever which was an absolutely terrible choice uh, because the load times were horrific like absolutely horrific like it was like two minutes load times it was it was ridiculous that's not acceptable that probably didn't help but yeah, I just I just felt like I was playing a less wonderful Oblivion. Yeah. The word wonder is the thing there, right? Like Oblivion filled me with wonder and Skyrim didn't. So for that reason, it was quite a disappointment. And I think this is probably the most subjective choice on our kind of list mm. of games here because a lot of people will say that it's absolutely incredible and it's an amazing game. And I think in some ways even you can admit it is. Yeah, definitely. But it disappointed you because of what it was and what it wasn't at the same time yeah exactly so i i know i definitely respect that 100 percent, and i think that's made worse by the fact that like Elder scrolls games have kind of always been known for being a bit janky right and it feels like skyrim is like the jankiest of absolutely uh you know it feels so not robust yeah and i could (laughs) Um, see that so much and i was so like i was way like there was that in oblivion as well but i think it was worse in skyrim because the game was was. more complicated and i could just see that all the time and i just had i just don't like it i know it's a classic bethesda thing and i've definitely i definitely don't like it about bethesda games what's a shame as well is that i but I like both games. Like I played Oblivion and I played Skyrim. I didn't play Morrowind until after the fact. In fairness, mm. like that, well, I didn't play that at the time. But I much prefer the setting of Skyrim. I really like the northern sort of like coldness right. of it all, as opposed to the weird like all over the place like environment of, of Oblivion. Whereas mm. like some areas are really sunny and some areas are a bit drowsy and a bit rainy. And I like the fact that it's kind of consistently like drab in the north almost like i know it doesn't lead for very interesting like skyboxes sometimes but you know i just prefer that northern environment but then at the same time it's so easy to lose the immersion of that game in in so many ways like not just the technical aspect of it as well but the gameplay aspect just breaks down more often than i feel it did in oblivion as well Mm. and when the game is kind of relying on it hooking you with its immersion and kind of getting you into the the world and sinking you into that rpg mindset it needs to hold on to and it doesn't it drops its balls so often yeah definitely but yeah i don't know there's there's not really a lot more to say about that it's i know it's it's very much a it's it's funny because it's so rose tinted because when i look back at oblivion like visually when i look back at oblivion i'm like wow it looked really terrible didn't it but i don't it doesn't look great (laughs) like i don't remember it like that at all i remember oblivion being this amazing game, shiny and colorful and yeah and obviously it's you know it's pretty old so it's not surprising but you know i imagine oblivion how skyrim looked so it's kind of almost i'm being unfair to skyrim but at the same time it's still it just was not the same for me yeah for sure no and i think that of all the games we talked about like i say i think you're allowed to have one truly subjective choice (laughs) on the list but those are just games that like are not necessarily bad games by any means like for example skyrim is not a bad game pokemon is not a bad game just cause 3 in a way isn't a bad game but they disappointed us like Mm. they weren't what we wanted and be that because we were expecting too much or not enough or i don't know they were just something that let us down and I think that's a universal experience for everyone. Everyone's bought a game at some point or another where they've played it and they've been like, 
eh, this really wasn't what I wanted. I wish I'd have like waited until the review copies have come mm. through more or come down in price, that kind of thing. Like maybe paid like half price for it or something, you know. So I'd like to know if anyone has like any similar experiences of like looking forward to a game and it just letting you down, mm. you know. Uh, what games have you been eager for? Yeah. Bought on release day, which you really shouldn't do. Very yeah, often. I mean, the, the, the moral <laughs> of this episode is don't buy games on release. <laughs> no, don't buy games on release. But like, which ones did you do and which ones burnt you, basically, yeah. is what I'm asking. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely let us know. It'd be really interesting to hear this, hear some stories. Send us a, why don't you send us a tweet at OctalFM on Twitter, or you can send us an email doing it the other way around this time, just for fun, mm-hmm. mix things up. Uh, show at octal.fm or... You can come and have a chat with us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash OctalFM. And you can even leave us some uh, links and footage to the game as well. Absolutely. What bits really upset you. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, this has been, this is, this has been fun. It's fucking yeah, like... and more of a discussion than you expected as well, right? Yeah, 42 definitely. minutes long so far on the recording. Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely more, more to talk about than I thought. I think mainly <laughs> because we just kind of fell into, into slightly passionate rants about certain game series. Yeah, it just shows how much those games meant to us and how much they disappointed us and, and how dare they. And there was definitely a theme, right, of like, you know, it's like games in series being disappointing yes. apart yeah, from sport sure. but like a lot of them it's like well a, one game was good it's like tricky sequels right it's like it's such a yeah, sequels are always difficult to do and i respect developers trying to do new things but they also need to get the core of a game right first yeah absolutely um but yeah hopefully you've enjoyed this as well and uh, in the meantime i've been gelada and i've been Sefran. and catch us again for another octal fm episode very soon not disappointing hopefully hopefully less disappointing than this one well hopefully this episode wasn't disappointing it was just the the games that were disappointing we can tell ourselves that (laughs)